Welcome to another episode of The Trader Show. Today, I'm really, really excited. I've got a good friend and awesome guest, Mr. Tristan Lee. So Tristan um, blasted on the scene, I think when you were like 15 years old, yeah. if I'm right. Um, blew up on social media. You've got over 2 million followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. like 1.7 million something on YouTube. Yep. Um, so today, I really want to discuss your progress through the fitness industry, what really brought you onto the scene and the exciting plans you have for the future because you do a lot of things that are very different than probably anyone else your age. Like you have a supplement business. Mm -hmm. um, like we train today and train legs and you're super respectfully nerdy in terms of training, similar to me, which is why we get on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to have some cool conversations and go down some uh, tantrums from that side of things. In terms of you getting into the fitness industry, you previously played football at quite a high, soccer at quite yeah. a high level. Um, what really blasted you onto the scene? Was it one post at the beginning or is there anything in particular? So I was never initially intending to blow up my social media. I know now with the whole emergence of all the TikTok scene, the Instagram scene, and just the fitness scene in general, there's tons of people that get into it trying to expand their platform and have a business goal in mind. But for me, it was really just organic content. So one of my friends in high school, we had a high school gym class. So of course I took that. <laughs> that was like my first thing to take. He takes a video of me. I didn't even know he was taking the video. It was just me curling like five pound dumbbells. They're like, you know, the ones you see your grandma use the, the colorful ones, things like that. And I uh, took a video of that. Obviously that was a certain, there's a certain freak factor involved that I was pretty lean at that age. I was only 15 years old at the time. And the other thing was that I was controlling the weight and focusing on technique and form and things like that. So I think that really drew the eye to a lot of people. But they said, oh, this, this small kid who looked extremely young, which still plays to my advantage, being that I still look extremely young for what I am, is doing something different. So we posted that video. It wasn't even my idea to, to post that. My friend's like, you should just throw this up on social media. And at the time, the fitness scene is kind of blowing up in a sense like there's a lot of these different instagram accounts and fitness accounts and all that different stuff circulating so it allowed me to push my platform faster without having to just do it all by myself essentially so posted that video jason derulo was the first person to first like celebrity or viral person to comment on that video and that obviously gathered some traction with having influencers celebrities things like that begin to comment on my post so from there, it was just, oh, maybe there is a little bit of traction from it. I enjoyed training. I enjoyed, you know, documenting my progress along the way. At the time, I was still playing competitive football or soccer. So I had a lot of different content opportunities where I was traveling or I was training in different places. And then with that came collaboration opportunities where a lot of people wanted to come alongside me, film videos with me as the, you know, the shredded kid or whatever <laughs> it is. And it's expanded a bit past that, not too much, but um, that was sort of the initial push was just at my high school gym, just some of my friends taking videos of me to, to post for my social media. It's funny how it works that like a lot of people are like, oh, you need to have a business plan, you need to plan everything else. Like life doesn't really work like that sometimes. Things sure. just come to you. That's like the thing you're supposed to do, which for sure. I, I feel is probably the scenario with that. In terms of um, the comment from Jason Derulo, what was it? Do you remember? Um, so I was getting shit on a lot. That okay. was the first thing because I was curling the kind of weights you see at your grandma's gym. And your grandma a lot of people, jacked, though. yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Maybe she just had the science backgrounds. So I, uh, I think that was the primary thing. He said something like, oh, guys, you don't understand how difficult it is to train like this or whatever it may be where I was focused on time under tension. Now looking back, it wasn't exactly optimal, but I definitely did prevent injuries and I had a good basis to work from. So he just said, he just said like, 
he was basically defending me in a sense. So I think having a little bit of a positive regard from a celebrity or an influencer sort of gave people a little bit more respect for the work that I was doing and an understanding for the work that I was doing, even though he was so far outside of the fitness industry. Interesting topic to go into. Do you, and obviously at a very young age, did you find that like any of that internet trolling affected you or like how did you handle that personally? No, I, I've honestly, in the latter years, closer to now, yeah. I had more focus on it. So it affected me greater later on when I was pulled away from soccer, competitive football and more focused on, oh, content's my business and I need to maintain a certain shape or I need to be aware of uh, social media comments and things like that so that I can adjust my content that I'm making to provide the content that people want. So even subconsciously, I'm scrolling through looking for ideas or what the, like just feedback on the content that I'm creating. And obviously through that, you see negativity at the same time. So initially I was basically just like, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to do what I love to do and post that on social media. If you want to follow along, I'm just going to document my journey. And that's sort of what built the platform all the way up until that point. So initially I wasn't focused on it at all. And then later on down the line was when I started to have more focus on it. And I had to just go back to my roots, which was just enjoying training. As you know, I enjoy, um, and just lifting for lifting, you know, do you ever feel like you're not in the mood to make content and you have to force it sometimes, or if you're in that type of scenario, which I think everyone goes through, do you try and give it a bit of a break and then refresh if that makes sense? For sure. Yeah. I've definitely taken breaks over the past little bit just to kind of reset my focus and gather a vision for what content I want to create. Otherwise it just becomes dull and with regards to creativity, it's good to have someone to bounce ideas off of. But if you're constantly just circling the same ideas over and over again, then you kind of hit a wall and it's just difficult to create any sort of valuable content. So you get into this rhythm of just creating the same same shit that may may go viral, may not. And you just takes the fun out of it. So I've definitely had times where it's just not fun. But I'm also pretty aware that without the content creation, I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I love to do as far as travel, meeting amazing people, learning from amazing people. So I'm kind of aware and conscious of it because it's like, if I don't continue to work towards something or work towards creating content, it's not really doing a service to the people who allow me to do that. 100%. With the content you create, what's like your ethos with your content? Is a certain thing like you really turn trend to push? Like say for example, you train today, you liked explaining a lot of the educational stuff. And I noticed on your Instagram, a lot of your content is more like still images. Yeah. Um, what's your thought process with that? I don't have a ton of thought process. I'd like to create what I like to create. Recently, I've been very interested in the science background and the literature around training and just developing my training to quote unquote optimize. I know that word's kind of become a little bit cliche, but optimize my training and progress my training methodically. So that's something that I think provides value to my viewers. Even early on, I would provide training tips, things like that. Instagram's a bit different because it's so short-sighted in a sense that it's very fast paced. So someone's just scrolling through your feed. They just see a photo. There has to be a little bit of a draw, whether it's an insane photo or a clickbait factor of some sort, not that your content's clickbait, but it's to draw an audience in so that you're able to provide them with that authentic value. 
Um, but with my long form content, I like to provide a little bit more value to the viewer with regards to the goal at mind. So a lot of my content's training content, bodybuilding progressions, uh, building up programming, things like that. So because it's something that I've been so heavily focused on, if I can share that with my viewer, it's like we both get together learning and they can also learn alongside me when I go out to film with other creators and people who have way more knowledge in the space than I do. I'm saying, and that's, I think when you're concurrent with what you're doing, because you're basically doing what you love and just documenting yeah. it, right? And one of the things I love before we start filming this, you said is like, you love like videography and content because uh, Tristan was like making comments and asking questions about like the setup we have here and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And for me, that's really interesting to see because respectfully to a lot of people in the fitness industry, that's quite an unusual thing for people to do because most people want like, they want the fame and fucking glory at the end, right? Sure. But they don't want the process to get there in terms mm. of like, the work you put into making all the content and to build the following or to look the way you do. Yeah. And I'm a little bit stupid about it too, because I could hundred percent outsource my work and I would produce way more content, but that's something that I found passion in. So that's something that continues to drive me into continuing to create content. Otherwise, when I take myself out of that creative process, now eventually I will offload some of that, just looking for the right people and the right team, as you found to a certain degree. Um, but at the moment, I love the editing process. So I'll help my friends, uh, my coach Jared now, with some video creation and things like that and just the editing behind it because otherwise it just feels like another video of me working out and the focus is like me, 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 me. Whereas if I can drive my attention towards the editing, the creative process, the storytelling, the motion graphics, whatever it may be, it just gives me a little bit more creative control to something that's so stagnant. How many times am I going to lift a dumbbell off the <laughs> ground or do a barbell row? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and respectfully, it's like after a while, there's only so many times you can explain like a calorie deficit and you're trying to reinvent the wheel. For and sure. some, We spoke about this the other day, some mm -hmm. people try and do that. Um, coming into something which is instantly fascinating about you, which very few people do, is you have a supplement company you set up inside. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about that? So we started Chimera Nutrition, our supplement company, at the beginning of 2021 and pressed pause throughout a lot of that year as we were held back from coming across to the States and we're waiting for our visa process to basically get into process so that we're able to run everything, function everything properly and make sure we're all in good status, I guess, to come across. Um, it's something that I've always had a passion for with regards to supplements. I love flavor testing, formula testing. And as I'm sure you've seen with, with me, with regards to my training, it's kind of something that I like to look into a lot where it's like methodology behind stuff and science behind stuff rather than just the outcomes. So being able to work with cool people like biochemists and people at our supplement manufacturers and stuff to create a product that feels amazing, tastes amazing, is something that I just find a lot of enjoyment in. So it's almost in line with the creative process of my editing. I enjoy the editing because I enjoy the creative process behind it. So if I can put some thought into a product that provides value to my viewer or to, to an audience or whatever it may be, then that's something I find a lot of enjoyment in. With the supplements, what's the crazy, have you ever made anything that's like crazy we're like, I don't know, you put shitloads of caffeine and oh. like overloaded a pre-workout. Yeah, 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 for sure. Just we're, to see, like, let's see what well, it does. Right now we're working on an extreme pre-workout. Okay. So we're kind of pushing the limits. And I'm someone who's like kind of a stim junkie to a certain extent, especially when I was dieting really hard. And we talked about this too. <laughs> it's like, you'll be dieting, you'll be six weeks into a diet and you'll be slamming like 1.2 grams of caffeine a day and not even notice it. So um, I enjoy that. And if we can kind of push the barriers where we just add more and more and more and see where that line is, there's definitely a line where there's too much caffeine or you feel like shit because you take a certain thing, then that's super fun. 
With uh, with that, have you had any like trial and errors where you've, you've taken something and you're like, fuck, this is awful? Yeah, I've taken... So one thing that I have a lot of issues with is too much choline. Okay. Uh, I noticed that mixed with a lot of caffeine just gives me anxiety and anxiousness. So we try to find a balance between hitting like a target audience of people who like enjoy stimulants, which too many kids enjoy stimulants to a certain extent, but it's like to each his own. Um, and not completely throwing yourself over the edge where you just feel like shit. Cause if I take too many stimulants and I can't focus on the gym, my technique goes to shit. I can't count reps, which we already struggle with <laughs> way too much. And uh, I just can't have that focus that I need in order to you know progress week over week. Talk about counting reps. There's a the hamstring curl machine in Dragon's Lair counts <laughs> reps. And I was like, yeah, I was on 13. It looked, it was like seven. I was yeah. like, fuck my life. We actually watched the video, video back and it was like eight. It was eight. So it's somewhere in the middle, but yeah. like, the reality with that I actually find in training sometimes if I get myself too aggressive and hyped up, it's like, it's awful. Not, it's not awful, but it's like the target of where I'm putting the load isn't where I want it. It's just 100%. literally like pure aggression of yeah. like, which sometimes is fun. And I think it's maybe like a British style of training. It's like- well, Yeah, and just have fun with your training. Like don't, a lot of people try to be optimal with every single thing. Just- puts way too much stress on yourself the stress that you're overloading on your body is going to have more of a negative effect than if you weren't to have the perfect angle of your single arm lat pull down or whatever the fuck like and i think that's why a lot of people fall out of love with it because it's too regimented whereas yeah i think the way i think about a lot of things in life now getting older is like frameworks right so it's like a thought process of like okay i need to do a, a compound exercise that gets maximal knee flexion i don't want to do um, a hat squat today I could do XYZ instead yeah. it's like trying to think around that so For you're sure. not getting bored but you're still getting the same end outcome and I think the same thing comes to like nutrition food supplementation I think too many people are like you have to do something yeah. and then if you get stuck in that point you have to do something that becomes a crutch and then like if you go to a gym there's not hack squats like what are you going to do like you can't train legs. It's like yeah. realities. You need to learn to work around that. Well, a very important thing to understand is that any of the studies that you're seeing start with a question. So you have to ask yourself, is this movement right for whatever I'm doing? So people will take one study and take it as this is 100% what it is for every single person. But the reality is there's a set of people within that study who try a particular movement. Some of those people experience different results based off of different things. So you have to experiment for yourself and just not be so short one line of thinking and this almost cult mentality around training or nutrition or whatever it is, which is just complete BS within the industry. It's just, you can't think so linearly or one way. Interesting you say that. Cause I think you, one thing I like about you, you seem a little bit like a mad scientist in some stuff. Right? So like, <laughs> I don't know about when, that. When, when I first, <laughs> like when I first um, looked the way you trained, you looked like you were doing a lot more like powerlifting stuff you used to eat like keto and carnival, yep. like no carbohydrates. And I like, you cycle through all these things. And what I really like about that is like, you test and try things You're like, yeah, that works now or it doesn't work now. Or, sure. or I like that. Um, talking about training, what does your training look like now compared to maybe what it was like? I think when I saw you in Pure Muscle Fitness, you were doing a lot more like powerlifting based movements. Yeah, so I've shifted my my training quite a fair amount just over the past few months as I've worked with a coach to actually line up my programming. So I'm a little bit more methodical about my exercise selection, my rep schemes, my volume progression, my accumulation phases up until a deload. I've definitely shifted to a more hypertrophy focus. So I'm not doing quite as much just overloading every muscle group, whatever it takes to get the, from A to B, which even elite powerlifters understand that it's not just that, obviously. 
but now I'm working in higher volume rep ranges. I just have more focus on, okay, maybe not hammering myself into the wall in the first week of a mezzo cycle. And then by week four, like you experienced today, we can just go balls to the wall and just go all out. So right now I'm training six days a week before I was training six days a week, but it wasn't planned. It would just basically be me throwing myself into the gym as hard as I can. And then by the seventh day, I'm dead on the floor. And then the next week, oh, maybe I have a tweak here. So my rep progression isn't the same. It isn't optimal. It isn't as good as it could be. So when you write something down on paper or when you put something into an app or you see like this is objectively my goal, this is objectively the work that I'm doing, you'll see that week over week, you know, maybe it's not optimal to just run yourself into the ground, which seems easy to understand. But like you said, a lot of people have a lot of fun and just going into the gym. And it's a lot easier to just tell yourself, well, if I just go to failure, that's, that's all I have to do. But if you have a particular goal in mind, then it may not be optimal. And with that being said, I think, and I said this earlier when we trained, it'll be on a YouTube video. It's like the older I've got, the more I've learned to train with my brain, not my balls, rather yeah. than like Tristan's doing three, four sets of some stuff. I normally do two sets to failures. Like, I probably don't want to do four sets. Coming up in an 11 yeah. hour time difference. Yeah, 11 hour time difference, 20 hours of flying on an exercise I haven't done for years. Like, yeah, yeah you probably want to rein that in because I think the biggest thing that I've learned is like everyone can train really hard or like some people can train really hard. I won't say everyone. Um, people who can train very hard, they often forget that the real real thing they need to focus on is actually their recovery is all right. For so sure. they can train again. But like, you could go in and I could go in and bury myself and I can't train legs for 10 days. It was like, that's counterproductive where if I could just train again my legs in five days, which I would do normally, For sure. what's going to have the biggest outcome, right? There's millions of people that go into the gym, slam their hand, head against the wall and experience plateaus, mm. injuries, fatigue, and aren't getting the results that you want. So I highly doubt that if you're going in every single day and you can't walk outside of the gym or you're at the end of your workout, you're out of breath walking out of the gym and you just did a set of bicep curls, I hardly doubt doubt that the issues you're not training hard enough so there needs to be a little bit of an emphasis shift towards this overall outlook on training and programming and recovery like you were saying rather than just the one aspect which is training so people get hyper focused on one thing where it's like okay you have your nutrition in track you have your training dialed you're doing the right amount of sets reps weight progression whatever it may be but have you looked at your sleep have you looked at your stress have you looked at your work schedules have you looked at your socialization with other people is that in a good realm where it allows you to actually progress or put your body into a position to progress i think the most important thing is people think that all progress comes within the hour of training in the gym the reality is i'd actually say it's maybe the other 23 hours a day probably has a bigger impact particular nutrition sleep like the non-sexy things that are actually yeah. probably harder to do is like everyone wants the glory of like i don't know doing a pr on the bench press or whatever yeah not that i recommend people do one rep maxes on a bench press um like i think that's where people need to change their thought process and think about working smart rather than working hard For sure and in particular there's so many people you see like who go to the gym every day train six seven days a week you see them in a year and they look exactly the same yeah and the same position they're like perma bulking they're slightly fat they might be a little bit big, but they don't get any bigger, they don't get any stronger, you're like stuck. And the reality is like people spinning their wheels in that process are literally wasting their life away. And also say to them is like, do you realize how much money it's costing you doing this? Because if you take what the average person earns, I don't know, say for example, you earn hundred dollars an hour, right? And you spend five, six hours a week working out at the gym, like minimum. Yep. Okay, so it's $500 a week, that's $2,000 a month, that's $24,000 a year you're losing in time. Yep. 
not making any progress. So over 10 years, it's a quarter of a million dollars. Yep. And that's where most people, I'm like, are you actually retarded? It's like, if you just, re <laughs> if you just reach out to someone who can literally just be like, yeah, you don't actually need to work this hard. You can just do maybe a little bit less and you get sure. way more results. Like, like you're working with a coach, like I work with a coach. Um, and that's the difference between like banging your head against the wall versus like working smart and going for optimal results. Right, well, and I think it's a lot, as much as it is harder, you're training harder, it's a lot easier mentally to just be like, well, I don't have to think about my next session. I can just go all out and then just hope that there's a progression. But I ran myself in circles for two years, the past few years, honestly, where I wasn't making much training progression because I wasn't committing myself to any particular way. So I've just entered a massing phase where I've basically increased my calories a lot. And I haven't gained a ton of weight, which was to my surprise, but I, it was just because I was in this chronically dieted stress state. And now that I've gone into a massing phase, it's like, oh, I have a, this this outlook where it's like, I'm actually able to progress my training. It's so short-sighted to be like, just trying to beat the last day. You know what I mean? So a lot of people who get into this state, especially with social media and stuff, I see a lot of influencers who are just, oh, I really just want to stay lean 24 seven. And this was me to a certain extent. Not that I was doing it for social media because I really wasn't. I just was doing it just because I was in this negative spiral, just running, go, go, go. But the truth is, if you just look at it, oh, maybe I take three, four months and I just dedicate my time to only focusing on training progression. And is my sleep improving? Is my training improving? Is my recovery improving? And objective markers, strength, um, reps, volume, all of this different stuff. And then you look back down the line, you're like, well, that was three months out of my life, out of my 20 year training career. Was it worth it? Yeah, it's probably worth it. Versus running yourself into the wall, getting injured, you're out for six months, you've regressed, or staying lean for way too long, which I was, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm literally by no means perfect. I'm probably the worst example of perfect, but it, it's kind of one of those things that you learn through just experimenting on yourself, like you were saying. So I encourage people that you have to try for yourself and see what works for you. Otherwise you'll never know what your limits are and also what your boundaries are. What you said there is very interesting. Cause also I just, I'm taking a 12 month massing phase. I'm having a bit of a phase now yeah. of pulling back. So I went up like 20 kilos in body weight, which, I would actually probably say it's been the most difficult thing I've done because it's, and the thing I'd say is that I just like, almost like you said, it's like, I just don't fucking look at myself. Just like eat the food I'm supposed to eat. Yeah. Train as hard as I can. Follow the plan. Sleep, like don't overthink the process. Mm. And the reality is that you go through different challenges with that to the point where like, I hate food. I don't want to eat food. Like I almost hate rice. And it's like, but then you start to bring your food back down again. Yeah. And you start to get so tired. You get your hunger level starts to come back. It's like, I think something that's really important in life is pushing to the extreme, yeah. whether that's dieting or a gaining phase or even or work business, phase. yeah. Because when you go back to normal, you're like, oh, this is really easy. Like, yep. and- It's um, perspective. And also it's extending your time horizons in terms of what you want, right? So it's like, if you want a, a great physique, it's like, okay, you're not gonna build muscle whilst you're shredded all the time. Yeah. Like, because you have to be in a calorie surplus to add muscle tissue. Right. So like, it's physically impossible. Well, especially if you're light and you want to get to X frame. So I only weighed 138 pounds when I was, or 137 pounds, probably maybe even a bit less when I was like 4% body fat or whatever crazy stupid shit it was <laughs> at the time. And now I'm up to like 150 pounds. So I'm about 12 pounds up from my lowest weight. Um, and the issue is that when you look in the mirror, it doesn't look like progression, right? Especially if your goal is to get to that stage shape or whatever it may be you're going to look better when you're leaner. That's just a fact. But to accept the fact that you need to go to a certain point in order to progress is something that a lot of people should do, but they just don't take the time to do so. What's your opinion why people don't do that? 
I think people get, like I was saying, caught up in the day-to-day and they they run themselves in circles, not having a plan set in front of them. So like you said, when you have a coach to do the thinking for you, it just takes that mental stress out of it because people, your coach yourself, will come to you every single day and say, I'm up half a pound. Oh shit, I'm getting fat. I'm obese. And it's like, that's not how the body works. It's not that... Focus, like you can't focus that much on minutia and you just have to look at the long-term progression. So even I've changed my stance on sort of lean bulking and I guess main gaining or whatever, like whatever that means, it would just, it's kind of silly because if you're gaining weight, you're still in a caloric surplus. But uh, I've changed my sort of thought process around that because as you get deeper into your training career, it's going to require a little bit more in order to make objective progress. So if you're gaining half a pound and then losing 0.3 pounds and then gaining another 0.2 pounds on a day-to-day basis, and then you look four months or five months down the line and you're up two pounds, how do you know if you made any sort of muscle growth? So it's a lot easier just to dedicate the time if you're not required to be in a particular shape, like if you're a model or you're doing photo shoots or things like that, to just putting a little bit of fat on and just prioritizing the muscle gaining phase and just thinking about how can I optimize how much muscle I'm putting on rather than being focused on, oh, I'm, I've gained like half a pound of fat or whatever. With that, I think uh, the analogy, so I get this a lot when like clients come to us, right? It's like, I want to get shredded, but I want to get massive. And it's like, okay. So it's like, the way I explain it to people is like, you can't chase two rabbits at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So to get shredded, you have to be in a calorie deficit. To get massive, you have to fucking be in a calorie surplus. Yeah. So it's like, pick one. and. Yeah. Like obviously when you've gone into this phase, you were extremely lean. And I recommend for most people, they need to at least have abs. Otherwise, like oh, if, you're, sure. if you're trying to bulk in a position, you're like 14% body fat. It's like, okay, you're going to bulk for what, four weeks? Like, no, no. And game over. Because your yeah. body's not, not going to handle that well. For sure. And that's why taking progress photos is important as well. Because when you're upwards of, you know, most of the people that are getting into the gym are not stage level bodybuilders or even sub 10% body fat, right? So if you're bulking from... 4%, 5% body fat coming off of a stage is a lot different than trying to put on muscle when you're already 18% body fat. It's like you're likely going to be able to do some sort of body recomposition phase where you're making objective progress through your strength gains and visual visual differences compared to someone who's so lean, who's like primed up to just gain weight in general, not both fat and muscle, of course. What's the master vision with your physique, interesting? I don't know. I don't think about that. Because I, I know a lot of people will look up to other people as these like massive like figures or whatever as what they want to look like. But for me, I just want to just keep progressing week over week. And I try not to have too far out in this vision because then you just get worked up about not making progress as fast as you want to. So I don't really have like a super big goal in mind. I'd like to see myself definitely heavier. I've talked to Jared about this. So getting up to like 152, 153 stage lean right now, I'm like, 152 like at the body fat percentage i am right now which is probably like i don't know 11 12 percent and um so if i can get down to like five five six percent body fat at in the 150s that'd be pretty cool i think we could make some pretty serious progress at that point yeah i think i think you definitely look pretty gnarly with that talking about nutrition so obviously you for a while were pushing the carnivore approach um what got you into that and then what got you out of that and why sure so the first thing i want to say is that i'm not a nutritionist i'm not a doctor i'm not someone that you should take everything self-experimentation yeah exactly so obviously you have to experiment and see what works for yourself carnivore and ketogenic dieting worked 
from the ages of 15 to 18 years old for me, three years, probably earlier on than that. I started at ketogenic diet when I was playing soccer. So that was the initial goal was how can I optimize my soccer football performance? Now, a lot of people say that is counterintuitive because obviously carbohydrates can be beneficial for explosiveness and athletes that require that sort of power. But fats as a fuel worked for me. I was able to run the entire game without issue. I was putting on muscle. Obviously I was going through puberty. So my, my body was completely primed to put on muscle after a certain point from 13 till 18, which is five years. Like that's a decent amount of time. I was experimenting on myself. It became progressively, progressively more strict with regards to my food choices. So I shifted essentially from doing a normal ketogenic approach where I'd throw in some other stuff. I'd have some fruits. I'd have vegetables every, as you know, I'd, a decent chunk of vegetables just relative to whatever else I was eating, still focusing on like a lot of red meats and things like that. But, uh, as I got to the end of it, it was just meat, salt, water, essentially. Right. And fish and eggs too, I guess, but it was fairly restricted. That worked for me for about probably a year and a half. I was still making decent progress. Then I ended up spinning my wheels where I was like, why aren't I making progress anymore? And the truth was not necessarily the issue was the diet, but the issue was that I was not eating enough for the training that I was doing. And I was also just not willing to, to like to, to expand my food choices in order to eat enough. So after I added in carbohydrates, I was able to eat a little bit more. Carbohydrates are often appetite stimulating. So you get more hungry as you consume more of them. So it allowed me to get more calories or energy to actually put on more size. So I think that the carnivore diet or a ketogenic approach can be very beneficial to a lot of people, especially people with immune issues, people with serious issues that have terrible responses to particular foods. So vegetables can be very, I guess, like inflammatory to some people and some people just respond terribly to these sort of things. So you have to see what works for you. Don't be afraid of experimenting for yourself. Try out different things. It's not the end of the world. Like I was saying, it's like, Ooh, you spent a week reintroducing foods and you saw that one doesn't work for you. That's not the end of the world. You're not setting yourself back three years of progress. So um, the ketogenic approach initially came from my mom's side. She was getting into it for weight loss purposes, which is what a lot of people do. And then I was like very interested in some of the literature surrounding it. And there's some interesting literature around fat as a fuel source for endurance athletes and things like that. So I tried it out for myself and it worked for me for a long time. And then now I'm still experimenting and implementing more carbohydrates. So I've only done it for about two and a half months now, a couple of mesocycles with Jared, where now I've worked from essentially zero grams of carbs, probably like less than 10, just from uh, muscle glycogen of animals to now upwards of 500 grams of carbs. And I've seen some pretty noticeable differences, especially with regards to my strength progression, my energy in the gym, as well as actually increasing my weight overall. With... Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier in terms of like a downward spiral, what was causing that? Was that, do you think, being in a very lean position all the time? And I think a lot of people would look up to, like younger guys would look up to someone like you with a big following and like famous on social media yeah. and that stuff and not understand that people, like everyone goes through shit like that sometimes. Um, what was the root of that? So the downward spiral, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people say like, oh, it's just, it's social media causing it. But I don't think it was that, like I was going to do what I was going to do. I got a lot of comments telling me, oh, you should just eat more or you should just gain some body fat. You look better like that. But regardless of that, I was still pushing my myself down to that extreme. I live life in extreme. So another world, I would definitely be an addict or something like that because I'm the same. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of successful 
people are that way is that you live life on either extreme. So it's about channeling that energy towards a particular goal. So the mental aspect of that was that I was just not happy with myself. I was never happy with how I looked. I was never happy with my training. And a lot of that came from not having that objectivity of goals where I was actually making progress towards something. And then I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is that they don't know what they want to do outside, inside or outside of social media. They don't know what they want to do with their life. So when you don't have any goal to work towards, you feel like you're in this spiral. You're in this loop of just constantly running in circles, trying to figure out this, is this working? Is this what I really want? Which obviously is fine for a lot of young kids. They need to kind of go through that to figure out what they want. But if I had just had that objectivity in the first place where I was like, I'm working towards this goal of getting on stage, or if I'm working towards this goal of even something as simple as tracking my training progression and seeing that, okay, maybe I need to shift something because my lifts are going down. That would have helped me get out of that mental spiral. And this is one of the things you just said that really hit home that most people don't understand. And if you're a, a man or a young man listening to this, like the most important thing and you've like, being happy is actually progression in life, right? Yeah. Like anytime I'm pissed off or unhappy is because I'm stagnant. And that's right. why it's like one of the habits I do is like first thing I do every day is like I sit down and I write my goals in present sure. sense. It's like uh, I look X way, I have X amount of money, I have achieved what? Like, and you say these things to yourself and you physically write See, them in it. Like, affirmations. It fucking wires into mm -hmm. your brain that you become the person that achieves that. For sure. And I think a lot of society now, respectfully, has become very soft where people are think it's bad to set lofty goals or push themselves to be better and it's seen as being like narcissistic and self-absorbed yeah. whereas like the reality is it's on you to be the best version of yourself to then help the others around you for sure sense. yeah you can't help anybody else if you're not in a good place yourself and so a lot of people don't set those goals and then they end up and then just being more focused on themselves because they don't have a goal in mind that they're working towards in life. So it's very important. Yeah, definitely a lot of young kids getting into social media and stuff. They don't have those goals set and they don't have what they really want in mind. They're not standing on their morals and what they believe in as a person, as a man, in my case, obviously. Um, so they end up running in these spirals, chasing goals that really aren't fulfilling in the end. What motivates you? Um, that's a tough, that's a tough question. In, in what regard? Uh, in business? Okay, in uh, let's go business and then training, for example. Training, I've always loved training. I've always loved, like I said, we live in extremes, both of us. I've loved seeing how far I can push my body. And that's been to my detriment. And that's also been, obviously, to my, to, uh, assisted me in my success. So I love seeing how far I can push my body with my training. So that's really just an enjoyment factor. I don't see it as work. So it's not a level of motivation required towards that. It's more of just habitual. I just get up as you probably do training is the thing that I do. I got to hit the gym. I go in, I got to have my nutrition dialed with regards to business. It's a little bit of a different story because, um, I got into the business aspect of things afterwards, which obviously most people do. You start with your passion and then that sort of leads into what value you can provide to people and then what monetary value you can, or compensation you can get in return. So my motivation with regards to business is just building something again. Like I said, it's creative. The creative aspect is what I enjoy. So with Chimera and stuff, being able to design cool labels, put these soft touch lids and deboss the lids and different flavors and all that different stuff. And then I can build that alongside a community of people which is kind of similar to the social media aspect where you cultivate this community of like-minded individuals. I've always wanted to surround myself with people who have like-minded goals. And so if I'm able to do that with my platform where I can foster this community around both 
what the morals of my business, which is like what we stand on as Chimera is just like being that community, being undaunted, relentless as one. If I can build a brand around that and then build my business further and further and further, then obviously that's just very fulfilling to me. So plus, of course, I, the money is obviously is obviously fulfilling as well. Like to a certain degree, it allows you to do things. So it's definitely good to have a little bit of extra money in your pocket to do the things that you love to do. How did you get the name for the Sutton Company? So <laughs> Chimera, a, a lot of people are like, what is that? Um, it sounds like a rock band. It's, it's, it's like... So it's a, it's a three part beast. Obviously you've met my two older yeah. brothers. And so that was the first inspiration was that there's three of us here. And uh, obviously these three beasts come together to become this essentially undeniable force or whatever it may be. And so we wanted something unique. A lot of brands are just doing this cookie cutter stuff. And because we knew that within the supplement industry, there's only so much ingredients you can put into a product. We wanted to build something that has a message behind it with regards to us. So it was actually one of our uh, cousins who's a designer who came up with the idea and came to us with it. And she's like, well, you guys are basically a chimera yourself where you travel all together, you work all together and together as one, you're able to basically be the most optimal or do the most amount of stuff. So we thought it was very cool. It's kind of unique to us. And then on top of that, we wanted the community to be a chimera of sorts where it's this undeniable force when it's brought together, but when separated, obviously can't complete any of the tasks that you want to, so. Something you mentioned there that I've always found fascinating a couple of times I've met you and also your brothers is, um, I don't think I've ever seen a dynamic with like three brothers working yeah. together and it's yeah. quite cool. Um, I imagine it has its challenges at times, but you all seem to be like really on the same wavelength where you've all got slightly different personalities. For sure, yeah, like it's, they've been, 100% support of me since I was 15 years old. It was pretty crazy because none of us expected this kind of stuff to happen. So since day one, they've helped me with filming content, editing content. It's always been like, let's just build something together, which I think is very unique and cool. And people say, don't get into business with family because there's fights and arguments. I'm like, there's fights and arguments with anybody you get into business to is whether or not you can work through those. Well, so I think, them, right? yeah, exactly. So I think if there's a level of trust and faith and understanding between family members, then that works perfectly for a business because then you're actually able to work through these issues there's no sort of arguments that can't be worked through it's just you have to so i'm with them on a daily basis we get into fights and stuff obviously but it's like oh well at the end of the day we're sleeping under the same roof right now so we kind of got to figure shit out otherwise something's gonna go wrong so it's funny i was trying to egg one of your brothers on a i think yesterday i was like do you ever guys like compete with each other see who outlifts each other and i don't think you really do do you no uh not really. I mean, I think there's definitely a subconscious competition or just, it's just in the household. Like there, there always will be, we used to do snowboarding and it, it would always be like pushing each other subconsciously. It's like you see someone and that's what I was saying with surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are driven is that you see someone beside you do it and you're like, Oh, I can't have to, I can't pussy out of whatever they're doing. So, <laughs> so it's like, you're in the gym. You're like, well, Tristan's doing three plates. Well, I got to throw three and a half on and, yeah. and it, it's always, it's good. It's that like positive competitive aspect of things that I think a lot of people miss out from because they're so scared to get into something that's competitive and coming from my roots of playing soccer and football and competition is the root of sports. So it's something that I always enjoy. What, what do your parents think about it? My parents are like the most supportive humans you, you'd ever meet. They've been supportive literally from day one. I moved to Spain when I was 15 years old alone. 
And if that was my kid, I'd be like, hell no. Like, no <laughs> playing football for? Uh, I was just playing for Academy. It was a Swedish Academy okay. over there that I was playing. And then um, I, I went and did some trials with second division teams and stuff before I decided that I'm just going to lay down football in general. So, but my parents are the most supportive people you meet. They're, they're 100% on board with whatever I'm doing. They'll keep their mouth shut, even if they're a little bit anxious or nervous, as any parent would be when you're sending your kids across the country and stuff. And so... They've, um, they're definitely the root of what we've been able to do and the root of the morals that I've learned and been brought up on. So, With the support of your parents obviously been a pivotal thing, would you have any, like looking back in hindsight, like, advice for your younger self on something you would do differently? Yeah. Uh, when, I was, when I was young, I'd get so caught up on stupid little things on a day-to-day basis, right? And I think that's kind of what a lot of people say is like, do the comments ever get to you and stuff? And to be honest, they, they didn't really. But even for myself, I would just negative self-talk a lot. And that stuff seeps into your daily life. It's one thing to see a comment once, but if you're constantly telling yourself negative things then that's going to be on repeat on repeat. And that's throughout your entire day. And you don't realize how that, how much that'll affect you across a five-year basis. So you really just have to be in the moment as much as you can enjoy the things that you're doing and then let that guide you along your way. Obviously, I don't like to say just do what you love because sometimes you're not going to love what you're doing. And sometimes you have to just push towards it. And people think that happiness is being happy all the time. But like you're saying, happiness is comes from progression or they're seeking progression. It's not just this constant dopamine hits. Otherwise it'd be, it would be fulfilling scrolling TikTok, but it's not. It's, it's like, you're just, it's more fulfilling to search for the good video than when you get the good video. And it's like, it's done. You need that progression. You need to be seeking progression. So. And that's where like, I think about things in a bit of a weird way. Like I don't want to be happy and I don't seek happiness. I seek fulfillment. Right. Because I know if I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing, then inherently then I'll be happy on the other side. For sure. Right. Like even if, it means for a certain period of time, I have to sacrifice happiness to get the fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to pay any price today to have to pay any price tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, for sure. And too many people are want to have that like here and now have everything. Whereas like reality is, if you look longer term and bigger picture, it's a bit like people with weight loss, right? It's like they want to have the abs, but they want to eat the cookie now. It's yeah. like, well, if you don't eat the cookie now, you can get the abs and you can eat the, you can eat the, the cookie. So the damn abs. good, Charlie. The cookie's like, so damn good. I do, <laughs> I do like cookies, right? But. Um, and I think that's just reframing your mindset. With the supplement company, is there any other businesses you've thought about going into yeah, alongside sure. that? Uh, we want to do apparel as well, just because um, that's something we enjoy. It's like, it's very difficult to find apparel that fits you well. I wear like the same shit in the gym every single time. And it's just like, I want to create something that I can honestly just wear for myself. And then sort of similar to what we do with that content. If people want to buy it, they can buy it. But um, that's definitely something that I would venture into. Um, I definitely also just enjoy the creative process. So editing and filmmaking is something that I've sort of just expand expanded on year after year. But that's something that I kind of want to dive deep into for myself, even outside of just content creation on YouTube and stuff. Because it feels very narcissistic to look at yourself flexing over and over again and just edit some B-roll or some crazy shit over it. It's like okay, maybe I should go film someone else for one so I'm not constantly staring at this half-naked 16-year-old kid or whatever. <laughs> um, in terms of being shredded, what did your diet look like when you were at your lowest body fat? So when I was at my lowest body fat, which was hydrostatic tested, 4.4%, which me looking back is just like stupidity. Like, why? Okay. Who knows? How did you feel at that point? 
I didn't feel like much of anything, which I know a lot of people are like, I feel terrible, man. Like I can't get through this diet. Like I just was running on a high, like 24 seven. I was alert. I was waking up in the middle of the night. We talked about this too, but a lot of people are like, man, it must've been so difficult. It's like, no, my body was in such a state of fight or flight that it didn't really matter. I wasn't feeling anything. So even looking back at some of those times, which is scary to me is I don't remember how I felt at a lot of those times because I was just going through the motions on a day-to-day basis. Like, oh, I just got to do this cardio or I just got to do this weight training session. Oh, I'm just training seven days a week. And oh, maybe it's kind of normal that I'm sleeping four hours a night, which looking back is the most stupid thing in the world. So dumb. Nobody do any of that. But I, 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 my diet was obviously calorie restricted. It was a lot of sweetened drinks, carbonated drinks to hold myself over. And now looking back, I I didn't notice at the time. I'm just like, Oh, I'm just drinking this carbonated sweetened drink. And it's just, it just tastes good. But then I was like, how can I curb my next meal? So it's like, Oh, how can I push my next meal from 12 to two? And then I dropped down to about 1800 calories at my lowest, which people are like, Oh, that's not that low. It was for a 140 pound or 135 pound person. Like, to be honest, that's not like ridiculously low, but even as I've increased my calories to the point where I'm at 3,600, 3,700 calories just to gain and like, like half a percent of body weight a week, even it's like, obviously my body required more than what I was giving it. So that's where individuality comes into play and specificity, of course, of how much you're training, how frequently you're training, you have to adjust your nutrition accordingly. And sometimes that means eating till you're uncomfortably full to stimulate more and more appetite, you know? hundred percent. And I think with you, having the freakishly shredded look for a long time. I think a lot of like drug accusations and shit got thrown yeah. away as well, yeah. um, which I can imagine get incredibly frustrating. But I think it's a compliment to you and probably respectfully your work ethic and discipline and also like very good genetics in terms of like how quick Thank your you. metabolism <laughs> is. Thank you. Um, did that ever affect you or like just piss you off in or just like- Like I said, know. like I didn't really have much thought towards comments or accusations or anything like that. Like at the end of the day, it didn't affect me and it doesn't affect you. What? So that's how I've always kind of viewed it is like, you have to focus on the things that you can do and the things that you want to do and what accusations come, accusations come. It doesn't affect me on a daily basis. As soon as you let it affect you on a daily yeah, basis, win, that's, right? that's, that's when, and it's not even about like me versus them, them winning or anything like that. It's just- I feel like shit. Why would I want to feel like shit? So I just focus on what I love to do and just keep doing it. And then at the end of the day, if I have those objective goals set in my mind and I succeed at those goals and I have that progression that we were talking about, that's going to be fulfilling in life, not seeking for the approval of others in a comment section. And I think we live in a world which seeks a lot of external gratification. And when you can internally gratify yourself to think, like I have moments sometimes where I like, I said, like, fuck, like, I'm going to Las Vegas for the summer. And I also live in Dubai. And I was like, you pretty much got the dream lifestyle you always wanted, right? You live yeah. in the US in the summer, you live in Dubai the rest of the year. Like, and that's the point of when you start to get happy and you also realize you don't really, like, I think you said to be honest, like, you don't care what anyone else thinks. I was like, I don't. Could we be making a joke about, like, the secret to building big cars yeah, which yeah. I don't have is that yeah. Tristan trains in Crocs all the time. It's yeah. like, I'm going to try and wear my Ugg slippers and see if that works. And yeah. It's the same effect. I think it might. If you think that's a good idea, comment below. Um, could be the new trend. But the reality is I think so many people are to- so like pigeonholed into like fitness systems, social media norms or whatever. Oh, BS. it's crazy. It's crazy because you're you're looking at such a subjective thing, right? It's like, how do you look? How And that's, and you're literally putting yourself on social media to be like, how do I look? 
<laughs> or getting yourself on a stage for judges to be like, how do I look? Objectify you, <laughs> so, right? So it's kind of one of those things where it's it makes it more difficult to make those objective goals and look at yourself in an objective sense. So that's why you have to stand on your roots and morals as a person and not just what you look like externally, you know? With that and you being coached, I think this is for the first time with Jared. Yeah. Have you had any pushback with him? You're like, oh, I can't fucking eat anymore. I want to be leaner again. No, yet. No. Or you, you've been like, okay. With <laughs> well, I, I hit a point, I already went through that with myself like over and over again, where I was just like running myself in circles, like I said. So by the time I started working with Jared, I dropped four pounds eating 275, 300 grams of carbs a day. And then we increased my carbs up to like 475, 500. And I've gained like not that much weight. So I kind of didn't really have that fear. And even when I gained the weight, I was just like, oh, I just feel more full. My training feels better. And he helped me set my eyes on the, the right stuff, like I was saying. So it's more just follow the plan. And people think it's difficult to not eat a lot, but usually it's more difficult to just eat more food. It's like, you don't have to actively do anything to not eat. You just don't do anything. And then if you have to eat, you have to make the food, you have to cook, you have to, you have to actually get it down. So what's your current diet look like? So I eat six meals a day, which is a big jump from my three meals that I was doing. There's not really much literature that supports any sort of further maximization of protein synthesis above six meals. It's or above even four to five meals a day. Uh, the issue is obviously I need to get enough food in. So when I increase my meal frequency, it allowed me to get more food in. Technically, it's only five meals and then an intro shake, but um, pretty much simple carbohydrates, nothing that's crazy fancy i just like i'm a simple dude I, I could not care less about what i eat as long as it's fueling my training so i'll have like a lean steak some sweet potato and then maybe some zucchini with olive oil or something for the healthy fats and then it's just evenly spaced throughout my day i'll have i'll have my interest shake and then i'll have uh, more carbohydrates in and around my workout just to support the recovery and fueling of my sessions and then later on the day away from my workout i'll have fats so that it, they don't slow down the digestion of the carbohydrates that I'm having. What's the biggest thing you've learned in fitness and training this year? This year? Um, probably. Even I feel from when we trained in Dubai last year, you seem to have changed. Like the way you train and the way you Yeah, I think, think it's just being a little bit more methodical in your approach to your programming and training. So just thinking about the sessions, not only later on that week, but also the next week after and thinking about how your nutrition correlates with that. So you have to be able to support the performance growth. And if you're not supporting the performance growth through recovery and nutrition, then you're, there's going to be a decrease in training volume. So when I set up my training four weeks or five weeks in advance, it allows me to look at that objectively and be like, this is the, these are the things that need to be in place in order for me to hit those goals and actually progress. And then when it doesn't happen, because shit happens you don't progress as much as you think you will your rate of gains not as much as you think it will be then you just have to adjust and make plans from there do you because i know you're doing a deload next week <sighs> yeah do, do you normally plan these things in or is that yeah so that's something that's new that i've implemented i didn't have a deload in probably four years maybe five years probably more than that i don't know i was a maniac but uh, I've been implementing them every five weeks or four weeks um, on the fifth week. And the first week after my deload, I did everything, three reps in reserve, like two sets, one set maybe per exercise. 
and I was sore for like so long. And that was something I was like, what, what is going on in my body? But it was obviously that training resensitization that I was talking about where you're coming back into hard training again after a little bit of a break or even a stint where your body's a little bit more stressed out. So you're extremely, extremely sensitive to training responses. So as soon as you basically touch a weight, it's like newbie gains or newbie experience where you get clients where they just come in and it's like, oh, I did not really that much, but I'm sore for like so long. And it's after I implemented those deloads, I noticed that training resensitization and then obviously more growth in the in the uh, the following weeks. With that, you were previously obviously from Toronto training at Pure Muscle Fitness. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the best gym in the world? Obviously, you're training here in Vegas. You're going to LA a lot, San Diego. Oh, man, I'm going to hurt a lot of like gym owners' hearts here. <laughs> Okay, you can pick more than one for different things. Pure muscle fitness. If we, if we, look, fitness at, we is, look at equipment, atmosphere, yeah. uh, women maybe. Okay. okay. So pure muscle and fitness, I will, I will say gym is probably not like the number one place for women. So that almost crosses that off the list. Um, pure muscle and fitness has the best equipment that I've ever used because it's all new pieces. Nobody destroys them. They keep them like top notch. This is the like most wild gym I've ever been to. They get new pieces in and out every single week. So I love Pure Muscle and Fitness. Shout out Dorian and Noah who own that gym. It's it's pretty amazing. Plus there's a lot of bodybuilders coming in and out of there. Everybody's super friendly. As you were saying, a lot of the Canadian gyms are super friendly. Benus, I think that's how you yeah. pronounce it, in, in Dubai was amazing. The atmosphere reminded me almost like an old Gold's Gym in a sense that there's constantly different people from different walks of life coming in. There's MMA fighters, there's actors, there's bodybuilders, there's celebrity trainers and all of this different stuff. So I love that gym. The atmosphere in there is very good. The equipment's a little bit kind of wonky just because there's so many people coming in and out of that gym, which is understandable. Um, here in Las Vegas, Dragon's Lair Gym with Flex Lewis, he's done an absolutely amazing job at cultivating a community there where everybody's super friendly. Like, Big Show was in there the other day with really? Mitchell Hooper and or Nick Shaw. Like, like it's just it's just crazy. All of these different people that are in and in and out of there. So definitely here, uh, Dragons Lair is the spot. I'm trying to think if there's any other places that were really standout ish. Um, the gym in San Diego is a great gym, but I think my heart will always lie in Pure Muscle and Fitness because I remember when they opened up that place, it was just like. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. There's a kid in a candy store just going in there, dead quiet, early in the morning, and just any machine that you could imagine. So, so for anyone in the audience listening to this who maybe doesn't have the physique they want or the body they want, what would be the one piece of advice you give them to finish up on? Okay, make a make a goal and get somebody who understands what your goal is and can create a objective path towards that goal because a lot of people don't have someone from the outside coming in with the training knowledge or the experience that they're looking for so they end up running themselves in circles so if you can surround yourself even even if it's not like it doesn't have to be the number one expert but it's someone that's willing to work with you towards something then it makes it a lot easier because it takes your own head out of it especially if you have someone with 20 plus years of experience or 10 plus years of experience doing doing your training, nutrition, uh, managing your stress levels, things like that, then it just takes that process out of it for you. So obviously you're not going to learn 20 years worth of knowledge in three months or however fast people want to do transformations these days is absolutely wild. So to have someone from the outside that can just help you out where you need help is definitely, uh, definitely a good thing to have. 
Awesome. It was a very articulate answer. So thank you. <laughs> nice. um, thank you for your time today, Tristan. I really, really appreciate thank it. You. So everyone make sure you go follow Tristan, check out all of his content uh, links, which are below. And for anyone who is looking for help with the fitness journey, like Tristan mentioned, if you hit the link below this video and podcast, you can book in a free call with us to find out exactly how we can help you. If you found the episode helpful, make sure you share it on Instagram stories, tag both of us, I'll reshare it. Um, leave us a five-star review and subscribe, and we'll see you next episode very soon.